Welcome to episode 170 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who hung out with a Various and Sundry podcast listener this past weekend, John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's happening? Well, I'm enjoying the fact that there are more signs of spring. Oh, really? Well, I mean, just it's warmer weather today. The sun's out. There's some yeah. green popping up here and there. It's over 50 degrees out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and this week's supposed to be nice. Good step that's in the right early, direction. Early this week's supposed to be nice. And that's going to get, you know, again, I think I made this point last week about April not being my favorite month uh, because you get these sort of like hints of hey, here's a day where it's like 60, 65. Yeah. Like it's awesome, sunny. And then you get like four straight days of 43 degrees and drizzle. Mm-hmm. So, but that's where we're at. Yeah, I'm no coat today. I brought no coat to work today. I threw one in the car, but didn't use it. So yeah, it's it's a lovely spring-like day. But to answer, to, to, to answer your introduction of me, I did hang out with Danny in Ohio uh, this yeah. weekend. And that was a blast. Yeah, yeah. You're a man of the people, John. I suppose so. You're a man of the people. You're out there shaking hands, probably kissing babies. I kiss no babies <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> but yes, um, but you are you're you're a man of the people. I mean, that's, that's part of your job. Even you make me sound like the, like I'm a leader of the French Revolution. You're well, just a man of the people, leading the people. You know, I wouldn't say you're a leader of the French Revolution, <laughs> um, but you know, you're you're a you have very good people skills. You oh, connect you. well with people. And that's one of the reasons why you're in the job you're in. Yes, yes. I have a great fake it till you make it mentality. And uh, <laughs> in some respects, I've made it, I suppose. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. All right. Well, if you would like to reach out to us and see if you can get John to hang out with you. I'd love to. You Most can of you. find us on Twitter at VNSPod. Email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. And once again, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star rating and a review. All right, John, let's talk some sports. Let's do it. So we're recording this on a Monday, which means that the Final Four games have been played, but the championship game is being played tonight. Of course, this episode drops tomorrow. So by the time you're listening to this, you already know who the national champ is. We don't. Mm-hmm. So it's it's San Diego State against UConn. Did you watch either of these games? I was actually speaking in the midst of these games, so okay. so no, I did I did not. Well, the uh, during the midst of the first one gotcha. uh, and the start of the second one, and then I I went to bed. Okay, of course, shocker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they probably kept you up past your bedtime of like eight fifteen. Right? It was it was rough <laughs> on Saturday night because my my wife came with me, yeah. and. Uh, we're just looking at each other and they're doing like a – not an altar call but but sort of like a, hey, if something impacted you this weekend, go find a leader and, and they'll pray with you. And I did that for like 20 minutes. It's like pushing 930. Wow. And Andrea and I are just looking at each other like, we can do this. <laughs> we can survive. And, you know, you know, Eye of the Tiger starts playing in the back of your mind and – To stay up till 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. To get back to the hotel. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, How's that going to work on your go and counter trip coming up to New York City? Because you know you're not going to get to yeah. keep those hours. Yeah, a lot of caffeine, a lot of coffee. Yeah. Okay. All right. And it'll throw off my schedule entirely. Yes, it will. 
Yes, it will. Although my co-leader is also early an early to bed person. Okay. So well. we may devise the schedule in such a way that that in the city of, that never sleeps, we'll yeah. get plenty of sleep. Yeah. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Um, so uh, the earlier game was the most interesting one, the San Diego State against Florida Atlantic. Uh, very intriguing game. Uh, Florida Atlantic led the entire second half until literally the buzzer sounded yeah. when they lost. Uh, disappointing, at least in my perspective. I was rooting for Florida Atlantic. Um, but uh, kid from San Diego State hit a game winner. So it was very very entertaining. Yep. Very entertaining. Uh, and then the, the, the nightcap was not nearly as entertaining. UConn pretty much controlled that game the entire way, beating Miami by 13. So Yeah. Uh, UConn just seems to be hitting their stride at the right time this season, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I, I think, uh, again, our listeners already know whether this came true or not, but I would, I'm expecting UConn to win. You're, I'm expecting UConn to win, but I'm hopeful San Diego State pulls it out. Now, see, I'm going to root for a UConn. You're going to root for uh, UConn. Okay. I'll, I'll put this way. I would prefer a UConn. Rooting really? is a strong word. Really? Why would you prefer UConn over over San Diego? Do you got something against San I Diego? Do. I do. Really? I do. A San Diego State, not the city. Not the city. City. Okay. Fine. Okay. City's I wasn't fine. sure if it was a blanket sort of thing. What's, no, no, no. what's wrong with that university? They are coached by a man named Brian Dutcher. Tell me about Brian. He was a longtime assistant for the basketball team for the team up north. Oh. And was basically the lead recruiter for the Fraud Five. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So when uh, Steve Fisher, the coach at Michigan who had the, the the Fraud Five, left, he went out to San Diego State. Brian Dutcher went with him. Longtime assistant. He's been, I think, the lead guy now for like four or five years. Interesting. Uh, so as, as Nate from Ohio put it in a private communication to me oh, – <laughs> uh, it's got those like shady Michigan vibes <laughs> going on underneath there. So, so you th- you 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 suspect foul play? I, I I just know that when you're involved in in recruiting the fraud five and all that went on with them, I wouldn't be surprised if there's interesting. I suppose time on, will tell. Ongoing shady things. Oh, pff, they don't find those things out anymore. Is that because of name and image likeness That's sort of part stuff? Part of it, but I mean. I mean, look, uh, shady stuff went on at Kansas, and they gave Bill Self a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, do you remember this big scandal that oh, supposedly yeah. was going to bring down college basketball yeah. with all these coaches arranging payments for players and that sort of stuff? I do. I there do. was the coach at Arizona, I think, one of the Miller. Is it Sean Miller? I think it's Sean, not Archie. There's, yeah, Archie was at, at IU and Dayton and, before yeah. that. Uh, and so, you know, there were all these reports of. You know, they have these guys on tape basically saying how much they're going to pay for players and that sort of stuff, and nothing's come of it. Yeah. You know, so some of that might have been overblown hype. Who knows? But Mm -hmm. you know that that shady stuff happens. And if they just give Kansas a slap on the wrist where I think Bill Self was – I think – what was it? I think he was suspended like four games. Oh, so he doesn't have to sit through the blowout of um, nobody Western University um, at the start of the at season. the start of the season. Yeah. The cupcakes. Yeah. Well, that's a real tough. Well, you really showed him. That's going to tell him not to, you know, blur lines or anything. So, anyway, uh, I'm no fan of UConn either. 
But so I really don't. I just hope it's a good basketball game. Um, we got to update the uh, the bracket is 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 set right. The the competition. It's over. It's over. I think it's been over. And we ha- well, it wasn't over till Saturday. It wasn't over till Saturday. Okay. We have a winner. Who won? I after looking at it last week, going like, there's no, there's going to be very little motion here. But who, well, who, what happened? What needed to happen for there to be movement happened. We have a winner. It's Trent from Indiana. Trent, our current student, Trent. Yes. Oh boy. Yes. So uh, we're going to have to get him a signed copy. He's going to tell us what book uh, he wants. Mm. But uh, yes, Trenton won his bracket name. Gosh, I can barely read that. Give me my old man glasses. Uh, who's your Who's your mama? That's clever. I like that. Finished first. And my son, Jake, finished second. They benefited from getting UConn all the mm. way to the championship game. So that's how they managed to win. So congratulations to Trent. I will see him in class and confirm with him which book he'd like. Okay. And we will go from there. Uh, what? Where did you and I finish? I think I finished 26th out of 38. Okay. I I believe I tied for 19th. So right. I finished 26th. How yes. many points did you end up with? Uh, let's see. I ended up with – let me scroll down here. I ended up with 41 points. I was 43. Yeah, so um, I I had the same number of points as Danny in Ohio. Mm. So there you go. And uh, first place was sixty eight points. Yeah, so low. <laughs> like I'm struggling to remember a year where it get, where it's been under a hundred, let alone yeah. that far under. Usually somebody cracks low hundreds. You know. Yeah, but, I'm trying to. If those numbers were passing grades on a scale to a hundred, we'd only have two people that pass the class, yes. and not a pretty pass no, either. No, not at all. Not at all. So, uh, yeah. So, congratulations to Trent for winning the Various and Sundry podcast bracket challenge. Yeah. The third? Third annual? Fourth. No, well, there wasn't one for 2020. That's right. So, third. Yeah. So, third. Yes. Congratulations, Trent. And I believe we've increased the number of participants each year. Yeah. Which has been exciting. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, uh, other sporting stuff going on. We've had opening day now. How are the Mets doing? Uh, three and one. Okay. So won their first se- four-game series, three wins, one loss. All right. Uh, Justin Verlander went down with a, with a, with a pulled muscle. So he's going to be out for – I think he's on the 15-day DL. Okay. Excuse me, IL. Uh, not the disabled list but injured list now. We had to change that nomenclature. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Okay. I think I think all leagues did that. They went to the IL rather than yeah. the DL. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the Met, the Mets are um, looking pretty good. We're in, I believe, Milwaukee tonight. Okay. Classic place to play. Uh, start of April, Milwaukee. Yeah. Lovely, lovely this time th- of year. I think they have the ability to close the roof on that stadium. Uh, maybe. And so I, I hope they close I the roof. I think so. I would think so. Uh, NBA regular season winding down. The play-in tournament begins uh, April 12th. So um, got a few games left. Uh, In the East still, your Knicks sitting in fifth place. That looks like they're pretty much locked in. They've got a a two-and-a-half game lead over 
the Nets with just like let's see, like two two games to play. So I think that that locks them in. The Cavs mm-hmm. are locked in to, or to uh, three games left, maybe. Um, Cavs are locked in to the fourth spot, and uh, more interestingly, probably in terms of jockeying for position, is the West, where um, yeah. So Lakers are on the rise. They well, here's the thing too. Like the top six avoid the play-in tournament, mm-hmm. and so the Lakers have moved up to seventh, um, and they are just a half game behind the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. So um, yeah, and then let's see. Yeah, it's just there's so that that space between like sixth and eleventh. Is jam packed. Can we talk about the Kings real quick? Sure. Uh, and not really. It's not really about the Kings, um, but they're the third seed in the in the West. Yes. When they clinched, uh, do you listen to the Dan Patrick radio show at all? I don't. Okay. So Dan Patrick radio show, sports personality, right? Has mm-hmm. been for years. Comes up with a stat of the day four minutes into his show. So by nine oh four. He's throwing out this stat of the day mm-hmm. where he goes, with the Kings clinching the playoffs, uh, they they were basically the longest playoff drought in professional sports. Hmm. Now the longest drought in professional sports. Do you know who that belongs to? In professional sports? Uh is it the Jets? The New York football <laughs> Jets. Four minutes into his show, we're not even in football season, he's saying this. Yeah. Four minutes. That dude hates the Jets. Well, I mean, is your new general manager, Aaron Rodgers, going to do anything about that? He's not even on the team yet. <laughs> we're still waiting for him to come in. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, the see. New York football Jets with yeah. the longest playoff drought in professional sports. Okay. Well... Bully for them. And uh, Jordan in Indiana texts that to me the minute <laughs> it happened. That's how I know what time Dan Patrick said that. There you go. My there you goodness. Go. There you go. Um, let's see. Anything else? I think that's it on uh, on sports. You got anything else? Well, I, there was a little bit of buzz around the uh, women's NCAA tournament. Yeah. Final four and championship game. I enjoyed watching – I didn't watch any of the games, but Caitlin Clark highlights. Uh, yeah, she's amazing. She, best shooter in college basketball? Is that fair? Well, certainly in the women's game. Um, but, yeah, and, I mean she's she's shooting from Steph Curry range at points and, and hit, knocking down shots. And uh, a lot of the conversation re- revolved around her and her historic run and also around – in the title game, the atrocious officiating, mm. which I watched a good chunk of that. And yeah, the officiating was awful, just awful, uh, embarrassingly bad. Um, and then uh, also some dust up with some trash talk between one of the LSU players and sure. that sort of stuff. Which I did see some of that. I did hear about that. Which just makes me roll my eyes whatever. whatever. And of course – of course, because we live in the age we live in, race has to enter the conversation oh, yeah. because one of the players was white and one of the players was black. And so you get all those dynamics. And, and therefore, that's the only dynamic going on in, the, in, the, right. in their interaction. Of course. That's it. That, that's, that's it. That's the list. That's the list. So anyway, 
that's probably even more than I wanted to say about that. So you ready to move on? Sure. All right. Since this is the week of Easter, we are talking resurrection today. And um, I mean, I, I think we can start by um, by acknowledging that really as Christians, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's – it's the whole reason we meet on Sundays yep. to worship, and even particularly in the morning, right? Right, uh, yep. uh, disciples, the, the, these women coming to and finding the empty tomb on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's why we meet on Sundays. Yeah, and so I'm a big proponent of meeting on Sundays. So you're saying if a church is meeting on Saturday nights, they're in sin? Uh, n- no, <laughs> I'm not. I wouldn't go that far, okay. um, but I would say I have a deep preference for Sunday morning worship. Yeah, I think there's a good scriptural prefer- uh, precedent for that. Um, and I think from what I understand, you you probably know more about this in terms of the church history angle than I do, but my understanding is that the early Christians, they met on Sunday mornings. Now, Sunday was not a day off in the Roman calendar. That's right. Yeah. And so they would meet before dawn. Mm-hmm. So as not to interrupt the sort of normal work yeah. day of the economic goings on yeah. of the Roman Empire. So they Absolutely. would meet early in the morning before this the the start of the day. Um which uh I to be honest, I'm grateful that we're able to meet a little bit later on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't have to do the pre dawn thing. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. appreciative of that. But um yeah, I do think there's an intentional um I don't know if the word is symbolism, but an intentional patterning in the New Testament. Yeah, I think of, I think a rhythm yeah. of, of Sunday morning for sure. So, um, so having made the caveat that every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, at the same time, I think it's right for us to set aside one particular Sunday of the year to celebrate with even more intentionality both the death and the resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus. That makes sense uh, to do that. Um, so there's sort of that both-and dynamic there, I think. Um, yeah, and how do we determine that date each year? Do you, do you remember? I looked it up at one point. I'm not, I'm not totally certain because I know like the church history date uh-huh. that like was assigned to like Christ's death and resurrection, mm-hmm. whether it's actually that true day, right. it, we don't know. That would be March – 25th was his death. That's the church calendar assi- yes, assigned. Yes, yes. I don't think historically that's correct. I think it's like the first week of April sometime. Is that right? Well, it depends on whether you think Jesus was crucified in the year 30 AD or 33 AD. <sighs> okay. Because the date differs then. Sure. Um, I, I want to say that if he was crucified in the year th- – oh, I forget. It might be like April 4th. April 3rd or 8th, April 4th is is one of the days. Somewhere then, in that ballpark. Yeah. In any case, um, well, the the Western Church and the Eastern Church differ on this one as well mm-hmm. in terms of how they set the date for celebrating. I think it has something to do with the day – like the the Sunday after like the first full moon or something. So, there's some – I think there's some link to the moon somewhere in there. I'm not sure. We just know it pops up on our Google calendar I, exactly. each year yeah. that this is Easter. Yeah, and this year it feels like it's on the later side because so, it floats. Like it can be as early as late March mm-hmm. or as late as you know mid-April. Yeah. So it kind of floats in there in any case. Um, so um, 
I want to talk a little bit about resurrection in um, just in terms of biblical theology and even just some specific texts. Um, I'll, I'll do a little plug here on the other podcast that I do with Ben Glad. We did your, a, your mistress podcast. There you go. Yeah. Yes, the biblical theology <laughs> briefing. I'm sure he'll love being referred to as my mistress. Um, that uh, we did a whole 55 minutes on biblical awesome. theolo- resurrection of biblical theology and that sort of stuff. So, um, well, I'm sure I'll touch on some of the same points here, but you want to check that out for a lot more depth and um, and breadth as well. But um, have you ever had the chance to preach any of sort of the classic resurrection texts? So you think of like the gospel accounts and then maybe like 1 Corinthians 15. Those tend to be kind of like the classic resurrection texts that you hear. Yeah, no, I, I have not. I imagine you have. Yeah, so I've preached um, – Matthew 28, I've preached um, – let's see here. I've preached a chunk or two of Luke 24. I haven't preached Mark's account and I haven't preached John's account. Uh, I've preached a couple of chunks of uh, 1 Corinthians 15 okay. as well. So several of them, not Ro- all of them. Would you count Romans 6 in classic resurrection? I mean it, dipping into it a little bit. Um. Yeah, it's more – that's more direct application than mm-hmm. it is describing the event. Yeah. That, that's more what I'm thinking of. Okay. Before. So that's how I'm kind of limit, limiting this. This is your limiting principle. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think you know, you, all, all of you – know, Romans 6 talks about it in a very applicational sense um, and you get references to it all, all throughout the New Testament. Yeah. Almost in passing as sort of like the – foundation of other realities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but... Um, well, where do you want to start? Where do you, you want to go to a passage here? Or do you... Well, I, I was thinking um, it might be helpful to talk a little about resurrection in the Old Testament. Okay. Because I think some people might have the misperception that resurrection is just a New Testament thing. Uh, or even you might have some uh, folks who are like, well, there are a few texts in the Old Testament that mention resurrection. And a lot of it just depends on, again, what are your criteria? So I would say that the most direct uh, statements in the Old Testament regarding resurrection are found probably in these three or four texts. I would go with Isaiah 26. There's a very clear reference there. Okay. Uh, There is the Ezekiel 37 passage, Mm -hmm. the dry bones. Valley dry bones, Yep. yep. And then Daniel 12. Daniel 12 is probably the clearest and most explicit, though uh, I would note that Daniel 12 has language in there that's actually alluding back to Isaiah 53. So a little Old Testament use of the Old Testament there. And so I think in Isaiah 53, the logic of the passage demands resurrection, even though it doesn't use that language. Hmm. Uh, You also have Hosea 6, which is another one where it's sort of the explicit – uh, reference to resurrection, um, but what I think the point that I would want to stress here is that the Old Testament has a lot more to say mm. about resurrection than just those, say, three or four or even five, uh, what we might call proof texts. Yeah, um, and in fact, what part of what's interesting is that when you 
when Jesus is having his debate with the Sadducees about the resurrection, he doesn't go to any of those like so, so-called obvious texts. He goes to Exodus 3. Mm. So this is in Luke 20 where he's arguing with the Sadducees about the resurrection and Jesus basically says, but that the dead are raised, um, Moses showed this in the passage about the bush, you know, God appearing to Moses in the burning sure. bush. Um, and then he says uh, – he quotes, he quotes um, Exodus 3, 6, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus looks at that and goes basically, uh, he's the God of the living, not of the dead. So that basically proves the resurrection. <laughs> And you know we can debate about Jesus hermeneutics all you want, but you know I'm not going to. He's be, a tough guy to question. I, I'm yeah. not really going to be the guy that's like, now nah, Jesus, I'm sorry. Um, I just, I just don't think you handled that text properly. I just don't think the Hebrew <laughs> points to that. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. That's just not going to pass our Hebrew exegesis requirements yeah. here. I'm sorry. What lens are you using? Yeah. So, uh, it's it's striking that basically I think the logic behind his reference there is him saying, look, God made covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they died before they were fulfilled. So the logic seems to be he must be going to raise them from the dead in order for them to experience mm. the fulfillment of those promises. And there's a similar logic that uh, – that the author of Hebrews uses hmm. in his in his epistle or letter or written out sermon or whatever we're calling that these yeah. days. So I think those realities um, should clue us into there's a lot more about resurrection in the Old Testament than a sort of quick surface level, let's do a word search so, for resurrection yeah. and, and come up with our four texts. So although it may only be explicitly mentioned those times. The yes. concept of it is is much deeper throughout yeah. the Old Testament. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's really fascinating is in um, in Hebrews when uh, it talks about Abraham nearly sacrificing Isaac. Basically, what the author of Hebrews does is he looks at that and says, um, Abraham concluded that if necessary, God would raise Isaac from the dead. You're like, whoa. <laughs> like he is clearly reading between the lines yeah. and and then he says – and basically in a figure of speech, he did receive him back from the dead because yeah. his his – I mean he was literally at the point of no return when the angel says to Abraham, stop, right? So for all the practical purposes, from Abraham's perspective, he had already decided I'm going to kill my son. And only at that point does the angel step in and say, no, don't do it. So in effect, in Abraham's mind, his son is basically dead. As good as dead. As good as dead. Yeah. And he stopped. And so you see the author of Hebrews doing that. And I think there's also plenty of these um, sort of uh, death and resurrection type uh, motifs throughout the Old Testament. Well, one that comes to mind is Jonah. Yeah. Right, right. Jonah is is thrown over the side of this boat. Mm-hmm. I imagine anticipates dying. Yeah, is swallowed up by the great fish. Yep, and is in there for a few days, three days. Yeah, and then is vomited yeah. back out onto the earth. <laughs> yeah, and and goes this kind of a death and resurrection experience. Yeah, 
Yeah, although throw, not not a literal death, correct? Right? But but correct. sort of a foreshadowing. I mean, yep. I mean, uh, is it Matthew's gospel Matthew that says 12, yeah. says this is you know the sign of Jonah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even think about Joseph. He is sold into slavery and then presented as dead to his dad. Right? Yeah. His, you know, his brothers come along and say, um, "We found this coat. Is it his? And it's got blood <laughs> all over it." And you know, is that his name on the tag? Right. Uh, and so, <laughs> as far as Jacob, his dad is concerned, he is dead. His son is gone. He's dead, gone. Mm-hmm. And then he miraculously appears alive years later, and not just alive in some sort of basic sense, but like ruling. Yeah, he's second in command over over, over a kingdom. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you know he experiences a sort of death, and even multiple forms of it when you think about it. He's thrown into the pit. They're going to kill him. They sold, sell him into slavery. He gets sold to Potiphar's house. Then the wife makes a false accusation. He's thrown into the pit for prison again, left for, you know, it's forgotten about. And so, you know, you see these sort of um, death and resurrection-like experiences, all obviously, I think, pointing forward to obviously – uh, the reality that's going to come to come to pass with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, I think I think we've adequately said that the Old Testament has resurrection in a lot of ways baked in. Yes, has that concept really, really in its fiber. It's yeah. there. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> one uh, one common critical view is that this idea of resurrection is a later developing doctrine within the Old Testament because. Uh, the Jews were suffering in exile in Babylon, and they had to come up with some sort of way of of processing and 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 still believing mm-hmm. that God would be faithful to His promises. And based on influences from other religions around them, they came up with this sure. idea of resurrection. And that's just not true when you understand what the New Testament authors look back at and see in the Old Testament as pointing forward when it comes to resurrection. So um, I think uh, those are some helpful realities to uh, to keep in mind, to wrestle with. Um, one thing that's been on my mind this week has been, since I'm preaching this text in chapel this week— Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. You're in uh, chapel. —is Isaiah 53. And just the logic of that great, you know, we think about it as the suffering servant passage, as the passage that talks about Jesus suffering and death, and obviously, yes and amen. But when you look at the end of that text, when you look at the end of Isaiah 53, the logic of it only works if the servant is not just uh, executed, is not just killed, but is resurrected. The logic doesn't work otherwise. So um, it looks like you got it pulled up there. Why don't you, why don't you read Isaiah 53, uh, 10 through 12? Sure, sure. 10 through 12. Uh, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. 
By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, uh, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong. Uh, Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Yeah. So, so really the logic doesn't work if there's not resurrection and vindication there. Yeah, you can't both have died and suffered and, and ma- make intercession. Um, well, and, and see his offspring, mm-hmm. prolong his days, um, him seeing and being satisfied, uh, him having God divide a portion for him with the many. Like all of those things – have to be happening to a person who's alive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense otherwise. And so even within what we look at as the suffering servant passage has embedded within it the logic of resurrection. Otherwise, that last portion of it makes no sense. And what day is that in chapel this week? Is that Thursday? Thursday. Okay. And our listeners could live stream that if they wanted to. They could. Grace yeah. Chapel is live streamed uh, 10.30, that starts? 10.30... Uh, Eastern Eastern, Eastern Standard yes. Time. Yes, and, and those are archived up on YouTube. So even if you can't live stream it, you can go back and watch it at your convenience. Yeah. So that will be this Thursday. But um, yeah, so I think uh, I, I know one of the challenges for pastors as they think about Easter sermons, you know, you feel the pressure of, well, gosh, I get them like, you know, I get them two times a year. I get them at Christmas <laughs> and I get them at Easter. Yep. Uh, so they can feel like they have to say everything about the resurrection, which uh, is – can feel overwhelming yeah, you and can't. unnecessary. Yeah. You can't. So uh, you want to make the gospel clear. Absolutely. But I think as you think about what texts you can be pointing to, referencing, even preaching, I would encourage pastors to think more broadly beyond just – the you know the four gospel accounts or first corinthians 15 those are great texts but there are ways to point to the resurrection outside of those texts and i think helping people to see how the resurrection of jesus is not just a sort of isolated event but it's really the start of the new creation mm-hmm. it's the it's the culmination of god fulfilling his promises uh, of bringing a serpent crusher who defeats death itself and God vindicating his servant and us sharing in that vindication and the new life that comes from that. Yeah, yeah. Providing that way of the new life is, yeah. uh, is, a, big, is a big comment Romans 6 makes for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, Well, you ready to do resources? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. So, um, yeah, we've got listed here – uh, about seven years ago now, I appeared on the um, Desiring God podcast and did a little blurb, about a 10-minute blurb on 10 ways Easter changes everything. I remember that. I remember when you did that. So we'll have a link to that in the notes. Um, ben Glad and I wrote a book called Making All Things New, Inaugurated Eschatology for the Life of the Church. Ben has a good chapter on living the Christian life in light of the resurrection in there. Hmm. Um, if you're looking for probably the most exhaustive um, defense of the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus, 
Look no further than the thousand-page tome of N.T. Wright, The Resurrection of the Son of God. Great for planes, uh, great for uh, uh, trains. um, And probably automobiles as well. Yeah, yeah, really small, compact size (laughs) uh, book. Uh, And then this is brand new. Uh, Jeff Brannon wrote a book, The Hope of Life After Death, A Biblical Theology of Resurrection. That's in the Essential Studies in Biblical Theology series. That's the same series that my uh, Rebels and Exiles is in. So that's worth checking out as well. So those would be some great places to, to, to check. So, All right, John, we got to move on to this day in sports history. All right, this day in sports history, April 4th, 2023. Uh, also my wife's birthday tomorrow. Oh. Yeah. Well, happy birthday to her. Happy birthday, Andrea. Yeah. 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 Uh, you got right. big plans to celebrate that? Um, I know she's not like a big make a big deal of me, big fuss kind of person. No, she wants to get takeout. So we're going to pick up some food. Uh, she wants chocolate chip cookies. So we're going to get some chocolate chip cookies so for not, her. So no cake. No, she went back She she went back and forth between cookies and cake. And I think she's in a, in a cookies mood, although that could change. I see. Um, and I also give her the option, do you want me to buy a cake or do you want me to make a cake? Mm. And uh, – she she went back and forth on that for a while, but I think ultimately landed on she wants she wants me to make her cookies. So okay, see I don't do either of those things. <laughs> I, I do buy a cake. Yeah, yeah there's a uh, you've probably heard the story. Oh, absolutely, yes. I've heard the story many times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is in my skill set. I, I I'm yeah I'm I mean pretty, I'm decently handy at those. Things. I I probably could like I think I could probably follow the directions and make a cake. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest. Is it going to be any good? Probably not. <laughs> so why not just get something she's going to like? Uh, I said she asked me one year to make tiramisu, oh. and I said no. I said I said <laughs> I don't think I can pull that off. I can go buy you some tiramisu. So yeah. there is there is limits uh, that I do that I do put on that. But April fourth, twenty twenty three, nineteen thirty seven, fourth Augusta National Invitational Tournament, known as today as the Masters. That's correct. Uh, Byron Nelson wins his first of five major titles by two strokes ahead of a fellow named Ralph. What's his last name, John? Uh, Guldal. Sure. You don't know how to pronounce I it either. I don't know either. Nope. <laughs> by the way, Danny in Ohio says this is his favorite segment. He's listening to me try to pronounce, uh, try to pronounce these names. There you go. Uh, 1974, uh, Hank Aaron ties Babe Ruth's home run record by hitting his 714th home run in Cincinnati facing Jack Billingham. Yeah. Did I get that last name right? Billingham? Sure. Makes sense to me. It looked right. Uh, 1983, 45th NCAA. This isn't the Christian version. Yeah. uh, Men's basketball champion. North Carolina State beats Houston 54-52. Boy, that's a high-scoring game. Wolfpack wins with buzzer Beating, beating, buzzer beating dunk by Lorenzo Charles off a desperation 30 foot shot from Derek ooh, Wittenberg. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. You've seen this clip. I'm sure it's I iconic. have. It's iconic. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's iconic for one for the shot because it was a major upset. Houston was the better team. And then part of what's iconic about it is Jim Valvano, the coach for North Carolina State, 
uh, afterwards, he's literally running around on the court like a crazy man looking for somebody to hug. And all his players are like <laughs> hugging each other and celebrating. And he's running around like this crazy man, like where's somebody to, to give a hug? And so, of course, Valvano went on to become even more famous, of course, because of his uh, connection with uh, cancer research and then yeah. passing away from. Yeah, cancer. Jimmy V, right? Yep. That's what they. Yep. Uh, 1988, the 50th. NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Kansas beats Oklahoma 83-79. to The Jayhawks power forward, Danny Manning, uh, named, not Danny in Ohio, named <laughs> tournament's most outstanding player. Yeah, the mop. The mop. Yeah. Now, is it the whole tournament yes. or is it the final four? Uh, it's the whole tournament, but inevitably it, it's going to go to somebody on the— Because they just play the most. Yeah. Yeah. But that team was known as Danny and the Miracles. Oh, because they Kansas came into that tournament not necessarily expected to uh, make a deep run. Uh, Two thousand five, the sixty seventh NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament Championship game. North Carolina beats Illinois seventy five seventy. The Tar Heels fourth national championship. That Illinois team is very very good. Yeah, they had one loss going into that championship. Very, game. very good against Ohio State, by the way. Really, Ohio. So State really, the... this is Ohio State's <laughs> national championship. Is <laughs> nope. really what we're saying? No, nope. that was a great team. <laughs> they were a lot of fun to watch, um, and I was a little surprised they lost in the title game. Uh, Twenty sixteen, the seventy eighth NCAA. We're running into a lot of the same thing here. This is the last one. Uh, men's basketball championship. Villanova defeats North Carolina seventy seven seventy four. The Wildcats guard Phil Booth. That's 20 points. Yes. Though that game will be remembered for that was won on a buzzer beater. Villanova had a real had a significant lead. Carolina fought all the way back, tied it on this like double clutch, like three-point shot. And then Villanova came down, and I think his name's Chris Jenkins, hit a three-pointer at the buzzer for Villanova to win the game. Hmm. So very uh, – again, one of those iconic moments in NCAA tournament history there. Very exciting. All right. What do you like? Um, well, I, yeah. I, if we had a better Masters one – and maybe next week we'll have one for the Masters that's wow. better. Uh, so I got to go with, I think, a, an NCAA tournament basketball one. Oh, you don't like Henry Aaron here? Well, I, I feel like we do that a lot. Like, really? I, well, I think Hank Aaron – Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, you get a lot of these guys feel, who did I f- everything. Wilt- I feel way more about that than I do Hank Aaron. Yeah. Uh, way more about Michael Jordan. Way more about okay. – uh, You want to go with Hank? I, I, like, I was thinking, I like Hammer and Hank. I like Hank Aaron. I'm a fan. But if you want to go with an NCAA – I mean we only get NCAA tournaments once a year, right? I, I yeah. Mean, it's not like they're – they in an off year they have one in October we're going to get or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'll go with Hank. I like Hank. I, I think – when you look back historically at his at the the grace he demonstrated in handling beating Babe Ruth's record, handling the death threats and all of that around mm-hmm. him, and just um, he's always just struck me as a guy who was not drawing attention to himself, just went out and did his thing and was amazing at it. Yeah, so I, I, I I'm happy to celebrate Hank there. One thing you liked. All right. So my one thing we've already been talking about it quite a bit, but being out at Greenville Grace in Ohio, I spoke at their winter retreat for their youth and then preached on Sunday morning. Great people. Andrew and I felt so welcomed and we got to hang out with Danny uh, in Ohio and his wife 
and uh, and that was that was a great time and get to know their their youth pastor there Ben who uh, is like six foot four um, and he's okay. just he's just a he's just a lot of human um, going on there <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah had a had a great time with their church they were Good. they were so gracious and so kind and yeah. they put up with me for four sessions which yeah was probably yeah. the most gracious thing they did all yeah weekend. bully for them all right uh, I'm gonna go with a podcast. It's called The Deck Investigates. Have you heard about this? No. They did a 15-episode series on a, an unsolved murder in Argus, Indiana, which is like 15 minutes away. Well, more like – OK. More like 20 to 25 minutes away from here. What direction? West. OK. So an unsolved murder from 1984. So like out near Plymouth area. Yes. OK. Yeah. Towards Plymouth and Rochester okay. in that direction. Really? Yes. So you should check it out. You like true crime stuff. I like some true crime stuff. It's yeah. uh, it's it's pretty well done, um, and it's you know it, there's always just a, a an interesting sort of ring to it when they're talking about towns like yeah they headed out of town and headed towards Plymouth or headed towards Rochester. like I know where those places are <laughs> like, I know what road they're talking about uh, so. Um, Let me tell you, I am still waiting for a podcast about Al Capone's connection to this area. <laughs> like there are speakeasies in Warsaw yeah. that uh, Al Capone frequented. Yes. And, and I would love to hear a podcast about some of those stories. Well, and the Barbie Hotel. The Barbie Hotel nearby. Which has great deep dish pizza. Mm-hmm. Great deep dish. Uh, and apparently Al Capone would invite people down and rent out the whole hotel ex- and invite one person. And that person – would not return to Chicago right. <laughs> because they love the area just so much. Yeah, to stay yeah absolutely. absolutely. Permanently. So. At the bottom of the lake. Yes. Yeah, who knows how many bodies are down there. Anyway, on that cheery note, we have talked NCAA tournament basketball. We have talked the resurrection of Jesus. We have talked Hank Aaron. We have talked about your trip to Ohio, and we've talked about a podcast that I've been enjoying. And so I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry things, and all that's left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.